Welcome back, fam, to another episode of The Line to Mastery. And this one, I have Wyatt Haggerty on. Wyatt is definitely a soul brother. And I realized that I have a lot of soul brothers, not only in this lifetime, but also on this podcast that I have the sincere pleasure of sharing with you. Wyatt is a powerhouse of a human being, just so full of infinite potential and a supernova. He's creating music under the name Just Like You Imagined. He is the video editor for Aubrey Marcus, and he just has a way of articulating his life and his experiences with a lot of truth, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of just radical love and acceptance for himself that you don't hear from most people that you come across and converse with. We talk on a wide range of topics from connecting with your daemon and your daemon, for those that don't know, is the animation of your highest potential, whispering to you your purpose and the possibilities that you're here for in this lifetime. We discuss his music and how it's a tool for not only his own transformation, but the transformation of others. We talk a lot about music, to be honest, in so many different ways that you'll hear over the course of this podcast. We discuss his tools for self-mastery, the struggles in which he's had, the ways in which he distracts himself, how he's taken up the ethos love over fear, learning how to trust and surrender into the flow of the present moment, being able to go down the river of life instead of always having to chop through the vines and the chaos of the jungle, the power of the stories that we tell ourselves and how frequently we're able to change those stories. We discuss energetic constipation, learning how to dance with resistance, dharma versus karma, and the need for personal sovereignty in order to create the world in which you want to manifest just the highest amount of good and love in the world. This podcast goes really, really deep. And one of the biggest takeaways before we drop into the podcast that I want to share with you is being able to have belief in yourself and your big dreams, despite not having much on paper or proof in the world that you've done it yet. Now, I know that might seem like a lot, but the encapsulation of that really just is that even if you haven't done something, that doesn't mean that you can't find evidence all around you for your capabilities of doing it. And that doesn't diminish the ability for you to have faith in yourself and knowing that you can do anything that you believe in. So for Wyatt, that looks like playing as just like you imagined and headlining shows in front of tens of thousands of people and creating transformational experiences. For me, it looks like creating a next level production and taking the sport of highlining to the next level by going on tour and being a performer for Odessa. Now, we both don't have proof in the world to show that this has been done. But within our own internal worlds, we have all of the evidence that we need. And we're willing to show up and do the preparation and the work and to continue to create 
the possibilities of bringing these dreams into manifestation to share with the world. So this podcast was fucking incredible to do with Wyatt and it ends up being the longest podcast that I've shot so far. This man is just like such a wealth of knowledge and vision and he inspires the hell out of me and yeah i love you wyatt thank you for coming on and i know that everyone that's tuning in is going to find something of value and enjoyment within this podcast so without further ado wyatt haggerty the more i embody my truth on this path and like really dive into what feels like where my dharma is going with music like the people that I want in my life will be in my life. Like I don't have to worry about saving or maintaining relationships. Like I can do my part, but if there's, if there's a disconnect that I know I'm living and speaking my truth, then who cares? So. Yeah. Because things are just going to unfold the way that they're supposed to. Yeah. And yeah. It's really trusting, trusting the river, it's trusting love, trusting that it will guide you exactly where you need to go, need to go. Yeah. 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 And just like surrendering into that. I think that's something that we all have so much work to do within and learn from. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It feels good. And it feels good to like be in your presence and connect with you, man. Likewise, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. From the moment I met you, you just like soul brother right away. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel relationships very deeply mm. and I felt yeah felt that connection with you. I appreciate you sh- you saying that because I feel like the dance of friendship a lot of times is just like I've noticed it now where like as soon as you meet people you're just like family like there's just you know it just happens and whereas the way we grew up and I'm sure your experience was similar like you have to do this weird like figuring each other out dance you know like you start being friends with someone and like everyone's kind of in their own box and no one's really like on the same page and slowly but surely you get to know each other and it might not resonate and then you're like half friends for and it's just like this silly thing it's basically conditioning from like middle school and high school with the way that friendships work and like you can't say that you love someone and that you really appreciate them because that makes you soft and like the idea was that you just can't care about your friends because I don't know, it was just always so silly to me. And then as I started meeting more and more of my like soul family, I was just like, Oh yeah. Like, duh. Like you just meet someone and you're like, gotcha. And then the contrary is true too. Like you meet some people and they like really want to be involved. And you're just like, I, there's nothing wrong with you, man. It's just like not there. Like it's just the thing isn't there. And I feel that, with myself, with like people I want to be connected with. And I'm like, Oh, the thing's not there. Like they don't feel the like, yeah, of course come with us. Like it's just not there. So it's all good. It's like that. Fuck yes. In relationships, you want to make sure that the people that are in your life and the ones that you cultivate are just like, fuck yes about you being around and vice versa. Yeah. hundred percent. I think a lot of those early ages though, um, you're really also figuring out yourself too. Yeah. So it's, it's like this weird, space where you're like figuring out relationships and friendships and connecting with people, but also like you're so young and you're figuring out yourself. Yeah. And then as you begin to know that more, you just kind of immediately recognize who resonates with you and who's on the same vibratory frequency. And it fluctuates, you know, like even 
like Eric and Christian, who I live with, like I love. And sometimes like our vibes are not congruent and like, it's cool. You know, it comes back around because we like really are brothers at the core, but it's just like, you know, you can't immediately jump to the conclusion that you're not going to be okay. You know, because that's kind of how it feels like you have one bad interaction in high school and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm ostracized. It's over. Like that, that bridge is burnt. And then, yeah, this is not the, not the case. Whenever you're in truth and forgiveness and love with people, it just kind of flows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have a few questions and this one was actually inspired by, um, one of the questions that Austin Plug asked you on his podcast. Okay. Yeah. Way back in the day. Yeah, I feel like that's way back. But I actually listened to that sometime this week. Really? Yeah, a few days ago, just so that I could have a little bit more insight into you. Sure. Before you came on the podcast. So, what character or person are you deeply connected with right now? Real, fictitious. Um, Doesn't matter. Okay, that's a... I have many answers that are like pretty surface level, you know, like they have kind of a, I don't know how you would describe it. Like it's, you know, a character that I really like, like, I mean, I could name any character from like Lord of the Rings and that would be a good enough answer because they have all these admirable qualities and they do all these cool things in the movie. But the thing that I feel the most connected with is I guess based off of a character it's not necessarily the character itself. And so it's kind of an interesting story and I'll do my best to round that up. But a thing that I had experienced, you know, doing, doing psychedelics or in an ayahuasca ceremony or something like that is that I would always see the same creature and it was like this humanoid thing and it was blue and its tongue was out and it had these crazy eyes and its hair was like this black, like dreadlock kind of thing. And it was, all over the place and was like blue and red and green and yellow and mostly blue, but those colors would accent it. And I would see it here and there and I would feel it like be me at times. And I started to recognize that that thing was my Damon. And that was like my, like the, the whisper of my soul or like the thing that came through in my artistry was that thing. Will you explain real quick what a daemon is? Because I feel like most people don't know what that is. So my understanding of what a daemon is might not be like the technical relationship of it, but essentially it is, it is the thing that animates through you and like whispers to you on where your soul is being called in life. And so it's, it's almost like it could be considered your higher self. Like that's really the thing that's trying to come through you in the world. And so a daemon for people could look like, you know, if you're a, an artist, it's the thing that calls you to paint. Like it just, it just is. And, or if you're a, a philosopher, like Socrates is a really great example of this because he was, he was killed because he worshiped his daemon and he didn't worship gods like he that was essentially the core of his demise was him getting in touch with his soul's whispers and not worshiping the external pantheon he was like no i'm in touch with this thing it's way fucking cooler i listen to it it talks to me i bring it into the world and that's why i do all of these 
great things. And that was kind of like blasphemy at the time. And instead of admitting he chose to be put to death rather than admitting that he was lying about his connection to his soul. And um, so, yeah, it's essentially your higher self. And this thing in me, I started to recognize was actually a very, it was very closely like this character from the movie Small Soldiers. Did you ever watch that? Mm. It's about, it's from the 90s and it's about these toys that come to life and they like fight each other. In the cupboard, right? uh, No, that might be the Indian in the cupboard. Oh, Yeah, that's, so this one's more of like an action sci-fi movie and it's, there's like these, there's these alien toys and they're like the good guys and then there's these human toys and they're like, all over militarized and super macho and angry and destructive. And those are like the bad guys and they come to life and this kid finds them and he becomes responsible for their fate in a way as they fight this, this battle with each other. And one of the aliens is this character called Insaniac, which is like one of the worst names ever, but that's just what his name is. And he looks exactly like my Damon. And so I don't know if, I based that image of it exactly like because that was in my psyche from my childhood or if that's just what it looks like because it feels like something that's not from this world, if that makes sense, which mm-hmm. is like strange for me to admit because it's kind of a, I feel resistance to it because it feels like one of those things where you start talking about like, star seeds and vibrations and fourth and fifth dimensional heart consciousness and all these different things. And it gets a little into that territory where I can feel myself and other people have resistance to when you start talking about it. Cause they're like, that's some wacky shit, but it really does feel like that's what it is. Like it's not, it's not from here. And I don't know if I'm the only thing that it animates, but it's chosen me or I've chosen it for whatever reason. And so that's the character you could say that I resonate the most with. And it's the thing that comes through whenever I create music. It's like, I've tried to make different things that aren't in alignment with that wild, chaotic, but very loving energy that I feel from this thing. And it's like not there. It's like almost dead. You know, it's like, there's not, it's not the same. And then whenever I just don't think about it, I feel this thing and it comes through and then the song comes out in a specific way. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. That's, that's that. So I actually just ordered a toy from 1998 of that character from eBay. Someone still had one from way back in the day when they used to sell the toy versions of all those characters. And so I'll have that on my desk as a little reminder of what that thing is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool um, thing to start feeling into and yeah, it just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see a lot of that within your music based off of what I've heard. Mm -hmm. It's just like when it comes to a lot of the drops, Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like very wild and chaotic. Yeah. But then like, the drops will calm down mm. and you can just like feel all the love coming through. Yeah. And the music is, it's still guiding you through the experience, mm. but I don't know. just like, it wraps you into just like those feels. Mm. I appreciate and, that. Yeah. yeah. It's back to the wild and chaotic and yeah. It, yeah. It's a cool dance that 
I've noticed through your music. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what it feels like. And I, people have this distinction in the spiritual community that like love cannot hurt you. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Like I understand that like by nature love, like in some way on some level, like love cannot hurt, but it's like the process of loving can be a thorny bitch sometimes, you know, like it's, and it's because of our squishiness and our attachments and our different things that kind of hold us in these states. And as you are ripped open to universal or intimate love and your heart opens, like it can be painful. And so it's not necessarily love itself, but like the experience of love can be painful and it can be crazy and it can be chaotic. And so, um, the other image that I've associated with this being with my daemon is um, on ayahuasca specifically, I've seen this image of these like black vines that have all of these thorns coming out of them. And it is the same. It's black for the most part, but the color scheme, like the accents are the same red, blue, yellow, and green as my daemon whenever I see it. And it feels like that's its essence. Like it's these very warm, protective, like healing things, but they also have thorns and they kind of shoot off in these crazy directions. And so it's like the all encompassing nature of the human experience, you know, where like I can feel that I'm not exactly articulating this correctly, but that's okay. And yeah, it just feels like there's, all of these emotions wrapped up into one being. And so I want, or not even want, I'm allowing my music to be like painful or overwhelming or chaotic or all of these different things or like the energy is super high and it might not be pleasant for people to listen to it, but that's not my intention to make this like pleasant, soothing experience the idea that I get from my daemon is that the music is meant to take you from a place of heavy, like heavy density or or low vibration and allow you to free yourself to take you to a higher vibration. But you can't, I mean, you can, but I feel like you can't really skip to the next stage. I mean, you can, if you really set your intention in a lot of ways, but like we're people, we're gunky, you know, we have, stuff and heaviness that wants to be moved through. And so the intention behind my music is to allow people to move through those lower densities. And by experiencing it and moving it out of your body, you can then lift yourself to a higher place. And so I'm kind of still in the mud in my own creation. And I can feel that as it unfolds, I will start producing more and more free, like pleasant, uplifting things. But for right now, it's very like grimy and intense. And then as it moves on, those more angelic and like harmonious things will start to emerge. Because there's also a level of like musical proficiency that I just don't have yet, you know, with like understanding scales and harmonies and anti-melodies and all these different things that create, you know, something 
more like symphonic almost, even if there's no string instruments like that. It has these has like movements to it. Whereas right now it's just kind of a lot of noise, you know? Yeah. So yeah. you're figuring out the foundations yeah. of the music and what the vision wants to come through. Yeah. hundred percent. So what are some of the tools of self mastery in this lifetime that you feel called to pick up? Um, and that I feel called to pick up. Yeah. So music being one, of course. Yeah. Are there any that you use besides music? Yeah. Yeah. I think that the thing I've noticed is that when you find that calling that like deep thing that just overwhelms everything else or consumes everything else in your life, the best that are the ways to add to it or to make yourself a purer instrument for that experience or that way of being start to emerge. And so I've noticed that the less dense and kind of gunked up my energy is, the better I am at producing music or the pure, the, a more pure representation of what's trying to come through comes through. Because sometimes I'll be upset and have, you know, some blocks in different areas and the thing will come through, but it's not as pure as it could be because I'm not really in a state of like allowing it's just kind of stuck in this interesting way. And so I've found that number one, like the purification of the body is like the most important part. And for me, that looks like in the morning going outside and putting my feet on the earth and like really getting grounded as soon as I wake up and starting to like, I, stretch out and I hit my legs and I move my hands all the way up my body and like doing this like tapping thing to kind of get the energy in all the places so that my being is full, you know, and that's a thing that I've noticed in myself and I can see it in other people when their energetic body is not full. It's almost like their body is there, but their spirit is kind of back in this layer and you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their mannerisms that they're not like really there with you. And so this practice just kind of gets your energy back into your body. And so the way you can think about it is like when you tap a certain part of your body and you like hit it with your knuckles or an open palm and you kind of slap yourself a little bit, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be painful, but you just do it in a rhythm to kind of charge yourself up. You can, Imagine that there's a layer between your energy and the outside of your skin. And when you hit that place with intention, your energy then touches your skin. It like comes up and fills that gap so that it's right there. Like that all of your energy is on the surface so that you are a full and present being. Um, the other thing that's really helped me is ice baths. That is like, it sounds like I know that people are probably sick of hearing about it in some way, but it's like it works and it's become a stereotype of the biohacking or fitness or spirituality community. It's become a stereotype of that for a reason because it seriously works. And uh, we have a chest freezer in our house that is constantly at like 35 degrees and sometimes ice forms in there, but 
for the most part, it is just as cold as water as you can possibly get doing breath work and getting into that every morning after I do the tapping process. That's like an instant reset of my mind, body, spirit, emotions. And then like everything else from there just feels effortless, just feels like being rather than kind of fighting this uphill battle of like, Oh, I have to drink coffee to feel good. And I got to go do this and I have to do that. It's like just simple stuff. It takes like less than a half hour, you know, to just get yourself like into yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of walking around as this like husk for most of the day. And here and there you'll experience these moments of presence, but for the most part, you're not really there. And like having, having the practices to just like be there has been huge for me. So those are, it's really like mastering my energy is basically the undercurrent of all the things. And that goes into working out, that goes into the food that I eat, that goes into the people I'm around, that goes into the content that I consume, the activities that I do. Like if I sleep in, don't do any of those practices. I don't think sleeping is a bad thing, but like, say I wake up feeling kind of groggy and instead of like resetting myself, I just go, you know, say it's a Saturday and I go play video games and eat junk food and watch porn and like, don't really like show up to what I want to do or like honor what feels best. Then like, of course I don't feel good about myself. And of course my creative flow is hindered by the fact that I haven't really just like showed up to the basic maintenance of my body. You know, and I feel like that's a really, a really huge thing that, um, is at least was overlooked for a long time in my life. And I can see it in other people's lives as well, but other people, sometimes they don't feel that they wake up and they're fucking ready to go. They don't need to do anything, you know, and that's, that's awesome. Like, bless you. If you're on that, if you're on that wavelength, but that's, that's not been my experience. And it's like, do laying a little bit of groundwork allows you to be so much more completely than if you just attempted to kind of bypass, which I've done. I've attempted just to like wake up and be like, I am being today. I am in my flow and it works to a point, but there's ways to do it better. You know, like all these practices for optimization exist for a reason. And I think that they can be over relied on, but in my experience, I definitely feel more in it the more I do those things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I feel the exact same way that, you know, you have these things that you do, especially to start off in the day that tune you into your, your being that person that, you know, you want to show up as. Yeah. And it's cool that you've come to find that, opening up the meridians to start the day and just like tapping yourself and just clearing out some energy and then hitting hitting the ice bath Mm -hmm. is what gets you there. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as more long-term things, the undercurrent of my spiritual practice has been choosing love over fear and really like opening my heart to the experiences of the world And most notably in relationships, like really like not doing the dance of 
well, I'm going to be like close. I'm not really going to be in it with you, whether you're my friend or my partner, whoever it is. Like, I'm not really going to be in it with you because if it goes bad and we break up or we're not friends anymore, then it doesn't hurt as bad because I wasn't really in it. And so doing the work with plant medicines or, you know, writing or just, just the intention that you set with your mind of like, I'm not going to close my heart off to this situation or this person or this, this event in my life, like whatever it is, I'm really going to be in it. And I, um, I can feel that that's been the most powerful, like kind of rearticulation for me Mm -hmm. is consistently having that like directive, like knowing what the truth of my being is and not hiding from it. And so continually and every day, there's a choice as to whether or not that's the way that I show up. And the more that I relax into that state of knowing, like, if I have my heart open, I know that I truly loved this person or this situation or this moment, whatever it was, and I didn't hide from it. And if it goes, then I will feel the pain to its fullest extent. And that's okay. You know, like that it's not it's not bad. It's not like, it's not a problem to have that experience in your life. And we're taught that it is, and it's, it's not like you're, if you're really in it with a person and you're really in it with a moment that you're in and all of a sudden it changes or it goes, it goes against, you know, your expectations. Like it's cool to feel that pain and be like, damn, that sucks that you're gone from my life. But I know that I really loved you while you were there. Like that I didn't, I didn't shield myself from that truth or let my wounds or expectations or attachments like get in the way. And of course that's something that you learn on the long term, and it's not like an instant you get it. But I think the more that you show up with that mindset, the more your body and your emotions and your spirit follow by just changing, I guess, the way your, your nervous system reacts to different situations. So really feeling myself open up with that mentality, like in every other way, it just, it just takes a conscious choice, you know, to be in that, in that way with people. And that's been really powerful as well. Yeah. It's just that authentic communication vulnerability. Yeah. I feel that. Um, so do you have an experience that like gives some good insight into your character and just as who I am as a person? Yeah. Uh, one, one experience in particular, um, I don't know, guide, guide me more into this answer. What's, what do you, what are you looking for? Um, I guess what is something that you wouldn't take back as far as an experience that you went through shows more about your character, but you wouldn't take it back. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't take it back. The first thing that comes to mind is whenever I moved to Austin and was kind of manifesting this new life for myself, I was living in Houston with um, my former partner And I could feel that it wasn't right and that there was, I don't know, there was just a lot going on that didn't feel right. And she was an amazing person or still is like, she's, she's still a friend of mine and like, will be a friend of mine for the rest of my life. And as much regret as I carried for the way that 
things ended because it was pretty sudden. It was like, I knew I was moving to Austin. I knew I was getting a job working for Aubrey. I knew that those things were unfolding, but I didn't know if I was going to carry that relationship with me into that next stage of my life. And it was a pretty sudden decision, like about two weeks before I left that that was going to be the case. And, um, it really hurt to know how much I hurt her doing that. But as the dust settled, I saw how important it was for me to do that and how important it was for me to let go and how much it reshaped the way I saw love in my life where previously if I broke up with someone or they broke up with me, it was kind of like that bridge was burned and that was, you're never going back. And it was always kind of a painful traumatic experience and it always felt like a setback. And with this for both of us, I can only speak for myself, but based on her experience, she found it to be kind of a launch pad to a new era of her life. Like she really transformed it into something positive and I felt the same way and um, I no longer saw her as like a problem or like that she was the she was the enemy and she was the reason that things were wrong it was just really coming to understand like oh it just was not in accord with where we were going in our lives and we're not going to hold anything against each other and it's okay to let go knowing that that love is still there and that it's not, it's not romantic partnership love anymore. It's like just, it's just love and it's, it's appearing in whatever container we have set and the container that we've set is that we're friends. And so like the love is still there at the same capacity, but it's not, it's not appearing or coming through as the way it was before. And so it was really a powerful experience for me in recognizing like transition and transformation and like allowing things just to be what they're supposed to be and not like forcing it and holding on because I was afraid of the hurt or I was afraid of hurting someone else. Cause that's always been an undercurrent that I don't want to be the one that pulls the trigger. You know, like I don't want to be the one that causes the, the harm. I would much rather, this isn't my truth now, but at the time it was like, maybe if I show up as an awful enough person, she will do it. And then I don't have to be the one that does it. And that was an unconscious program kind of playing out in that, like, I didn't do it intentionally, but a part of me really wanted her just to like hate me so that she would be like, please leave, just please go. And then I could be like, ah, I will, you were, you will not hold me back any longer and I can go off on this new journey and move and be a new person and restart my life and all this stuff. But really understanding that that wasn't the truth of the situation and just allowing it to like transition into not being with each other and just being like, okay with the, the impermanence of things was like a really powerful situation. And, uh, it's interesting feeling that cycle kind of come and go throughout the last, like, what was that like 14 months ago that, that, that I moved and uh, yeah, just feeling that like being at peace with things, not being the way that they are, you know, and not being, not holding on to the idea that a relationship or a situation or a job or a moment is going to be forever. Just being like, wow, it really is just right now. And it might not be tomorrow and that's okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. And just being able to just, uh, you know, enjoy yeah. the fact that it might not be forever. So you really want to get this present moment yeah. with that person. The phrase that is, has been coming up for me a lot has been, I trust love. And like that can be in an acute moment with someone or it can be the overarching, you know, universal love. Like I trust, I trust love, which is, you know, akin to the universe or God. Like they're all kind of synonymous in a way and trusting that, you know, over that overarching flow of things and trusting that process or just trusting it in the moment with a person and being like, I don't have to tell myself these stories that get in the way of these interactions I have with people, like stories about something they're going to do or something that they think about me and being like, if I trust love, if I trust my heart being open and my experience right now, the truth will be revealed to me. So why do I care? Like, why would I sit here like seething being like, Oh, something's wrong. Like something doesn't feel right. I don't want to, I don't want to experience this or they did something wrong and just like really relaxing into it and letting go and being like, I will know what I need to know. And most likely there's nothing wrong. And it's just the stories I'm telling myself and just like really being able to trust that, that flow or that moment and like trust that I'm showing up as the best that I can. And every other person in my life is as well. So why would I be, I don't know. I guess this really stems from being so hypercritical about myself forever. And like, it's still a thing that I'm understanding now of like where those criticisms and these feelings of not being enough come from, you know, and just understanding that, that it's basically a myth that we all tell ourselves, you know, and of course there's ways to improve yourself and ways to, you know, show up, better or more, more completely. But for the most part, we're pretty much just stuck in our heads, telling ourselves these bullshit stories, trying to make, trying to force these relationships or these situations or occupations or whatever it is to go in a certain way. And this is not, it's just not the way it is. You know, you really just have to feel, you really just have to feel in resonance with the thing and have an open heart and an open mind and be like, all right, whatever happens is the best possible good. Like I trust, I trust it. And like, again, it's one of those spiritual truisms that I myself have a lot of, I shouldn't say I have a lot of now, but in the past had a lot of resistance to those things. Cause it's like, Oh, it's so easy for you to say, just surrender, just trust. It's like, you'll get there. If you're listening to this and you're like, I can't trust, I can't surrender. It's like, you will, you will get there. There's no, there's no other way around it really at this point, at least from my reality tunnel, that's the way that it feels. I'm just like there, you can only fight with the flow of life and the flow of love for so long. You can only fight with the way you want something to be and try to force it into this box for so long and like really understanding the power in letting go is, is exceptional. You know, it's something that could change the trajectory of the rest of your life if you're able to come to that point. So that's currently where I'm at with those things is like really learning to trust and allow whatever is meant to unfold, that that's exactly what will unfold. 
Yeah, and it feels to me that once you um, commit to love mm-hmm. and, and trusting love, that you feel any sort of imbalance within that space. You feel when you're not yeah. actually trusting and surrendering into that love. Yeah, no, and I feel that recently a lot where it's like I can just ask myself about a, a thought or an action or something that I want to do. And be like, it's not in resonance. It's just not. It's not the energy of that desire is not there. But there are certain things where it's like so abundantly clear. It's so like, oh, wow, that feels really, really deeply in alignment with me. And like you, you don't even have to give yourself a push. It just pulls you there, you know, and there's so like there's things I want to eat or these like fantasies about how I want my life to be or these uh, like jobs that I want to get money or attention or whatever it is, like whatever kind of small desire that I have, I can feel it now. And it's just like, it's not in resonance. It's not there. And that's okay. And like really being able to be okay with, you know, this, this friendship not working out or, or this financial opportunity. And like I had, when was that? Like in May, I had a bunch of, a bunch of jobs, a bunch of projects that I had, um, lined up, just fall through in this. It was like in a two day time span, like three things just disappeared. Like my income for the next two months just evaporated. And I was like, okay, I know exactly what to do. Like, and it wasn't this thing where, cause I realized when they evaporated that I was only doing it because I wanted money. Like there was nothing else to it other than like, I can do it. And I will, because I'm in scarcity right now. Like that's really all it came down to. And when it evaporated, I was like, I trust that I will be okay. And as challenging as that next period period was for me financially, it all kind of lined itself up as I listened to that truth and was guided to a place of greater abundance and stability. And so that's where I'm at now and it feels good. But for a moment, I was really in that scarce, like clinging mindset. And I don't know if I drew this experience to myself or if a higher power, you know, orchestrated it so that I would learn that, but it really was like, Oh yeah, you're, you're clinging way too much. I will show you what it's like to trust. And that, that path evaporated. And then I trusted that a new path would show itself to me. And sure enough, just in the nick of time, it did and everything was fine. So we are very powerful manifestors, I guess, for lack of a better word in this world, like that we really like the things that we believe in are drawn to us. And if you're drawn to paranoia and scarcity, that's going to be your reality tunnel. There's really no, no other way around it. And I've experienced every part, every corner of the kaleidoscope of emotions and different realities that we can be in and have experienced deep depression and paranoia and scarcity and deep moments of love and wholeness and abundance and all these different things. And so it's like, you are a giant antenna. You're a giant battery that emits, you know, whatever frequency you're feeling. And yeah, 
I'm on a tangent, but that's where that's where it went. No, yeah, that's perfect. And you know, I really like the way that you just communicate with the Burbage's stories mm-hmm. and it's so crazy how wrapped up we can get in our own stories and the way that really does mm-hmm. manifest and create into the reality that we're living. Yeah. I've seen it just in the way my body functions. For whatever reason, I picked up on this story probably from when I was a young kid that I was faulty and that there was something something wrong with me and that like my body was going to fall apart. And like I've watched that story just evaporate as I've begun more and more to believe in myself and do the things that I know are going to support me feeling whole and feeling stable in my own skin, you know, cause it's a weird dance you can get into. I don't know if you've ever experienced like not trusting your body, like where you are injured or you're sick or something. And you're like, I can't trust my meat suit. And this is how I experience the world. This is how everything is done. And so the thing that is the constant variable in every other part of my life doesn't feel safe or it doesn't feel like it works correctly. That like that drips into every other part of your life. And so once I recognized that that core need wasn't being met, that core like tenant of stability and trust wasn't being met, the more that story started to dissolve and here and there it'll pop back up. And I'm really able to see like, is that true? Is that really the, the truth of my being that I'm just falling apart and I'm going to die tomorrow. Like most likely not. I think that that's something in my head. And the more that I believe in health and regeneration and, and just healing on like the most simple level, the more it starts to happen, the more things function properly, the better my sleep gets, the better I feel whenever I wake up. It's like, you can really dig yourself into a very, very deep state of hell essentially based on the stories that you tell yourself. And it's like one of the most effective things you can do to transform your life is change your stories. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's always felt like that's been a thing that I knew, but really starting to understand that and feel that recently has been massive, like really starting to understand like, Oh, it actually is a story and stories themselves are subjective. Like as close as you can get to the truth with a story, that's good enough. But for the most part, they're not a hundred percent true. So if it's a subjective story, you're telling about your reality and it's coming true. That means that changing that story and creating something that's more true then starts to come into your reality. So yeah, and it's something that we always have the option to rewrite the story. Yeah. And sand capsules are constantly being washed away anyways. Yeah. So it's to not just get wrapped up in one. And that's something that I'm learning through a lot. Yeah. And that's essentially what your life is. Yeah. It's the sandcastle. And like you, you can fixate on the fact that it's not going to be forever. And you can like really try to hold on and like, I mean, I watch people in my family just like stuff money in their asshole, basically. Like that's what, that's what they're doing. They're just holding, holding all of this stuff. And it's not even just in my family. Like I see it all the time where it's like, what are you preparing for? Like what, 
what is your, and you don't have to go crazy and spend all of your money and be flippant about it, but understanding it, like, it's not going to last forever. You might as well live. And like, there's a, an element of responsibility that makes that game makes you, it allows you to be able to play that game longer term on, you know, better circumstances rather than coming into a place of abundance and then just blowing that up in one one fell swoop because you really wanted to live, which is, you know, that's another way of doing it too. There's, I forget if it was Tolstoy or Dostoevsky, uh, one of those famous Russian authors, they, uh, they would make a bunch of money on a book and then they wouldn't be able to write. So they would intentionally like blow their life up and lose all of their money. They'd gamble and drink and spend all of their money so that they were broke. And then they had the hunger to become a great writer again. And that was his own thing. But really the, the cool part of that is that like he trusted his mastery enough to like continually lead him where he needed to go. Um, but circling back, it, it really feels like that kind of, it's almost like a energetic constipation. Like if you're just holding on to all this stuff and you're not just allowing your sandcastle to be as beautiful as possible, knowing that it's going to wash away. It's like, you're not, your energy's not in circulation with the rest of the world. You know, like you're, you're bringing in energy and you're just holding it. And then when you die, what happens to that energy? Like sure. And if it was, let's take money, for example, it gets, passed on to your heirs or whatever. But if that's how they learned, then that energy is just going to be stagnant in your family forever. Like it's not ever going to lead to creating a better experience or a better sandcastle for yourself or the people around you. If you're just stuck being afraid of losing things, which is you know, being afraid of losing money or losing a relationship or a job or something like that is being afraid of dying because dying is ultimately a transformation. So if you're afraid of the transformation of anything, you're definitely afraid of the transformation of your own life, you know, your own being. And so, yeah, I felt myself get stuck in those areas quite often, but now more and more, it's just like trusting that death comes in many ways throughout life. And then in one pretty giant way at the end. So you really don't have any other choice other than to trust that process of transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I feel it. Otherwise you kind of, you can kind of just really get stuck in the old story or even distract yourself. Yeah. From whatever that call to adventure is for you. Yeah. So what are some of the ways you have distracted yourself from, oh, man. I from just, that call, that trust, or that surrender? I distracted myself today from the from the call. I felt like I was on a really good wavelength with creating a song today. I felt like I kind of discovered a new technique of producing. And it was something I had tried before, but I really felt that I like nailed it. And it changed the whole landscape and like energy and emotion of the song. Like that... It was going in one direction, but it just sounded kind of whack, honestly. It just sounded corny. It was just this, like, chord progression, and it just didn't feel right. And then I was like, ooh, and found this really... Or I remembered this technique I had tried before of sampling vocals, and that the chops of the vocals would be the 
melody and it just completely changed the whole thing. And I was on this really great creative wavelength. And then all of a sudden I just kind of felt a little tired, like a little dead. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put the, I'm going to save the project and step away for a second. And I never came back to it. I just went off and did my own thing. Like I just, I played call of duty and like sat on my phone and like really, instead of just consciously taking a moment and just being like, all right, I'll, I'll come back to it when I want to come back to it. And just like trusting that moment, it felt like that stuckness was like a brick wall. And instead of consciously just being like, it will move when it's ready to move and I'll return to it. I was like, oh, well, if I hit the wall, then I don't want to create right now. And then I just went off and did bullshit, you know, and just went on Reddit and Instagram. And like, I don't remember a single thing that I saw. (laughs) I don't remember a single thing about shooting 12 year olds on call of duty. Like, I don't remember any of it. So why was it important? What I do remember about today is finding that, that new way of making a melody and really feeling it mesh with the rest of the song. And I was like, that was a really cool, important moment that felt guided, but I got stuck a little bit. And so I think that the biggest thing, the biggest distraction for me has been social media has been just consuming information, you know, and it's useful, but not really, you know, it's not like really the most useful. And I could find myself going down a lot of uh, like conspiracy theory rabbit holes a lot of times. Cause like, I just want to know, like, I just want to know if my like hunch about the world is right or if this thing is going to happen. And, you know, especially in today's times with the hysteria and the different things developing around the viruses and like the kind of upheaval, like this unease that the world is experiencing right now, it's really easy to get trapped in the, mindset that like you know what's going on and you know the truth and it's really not that easy and so I guess a part of me really wants to know so that I feel safe in the uncertainty and ultimately that's just a distraction of trusting the uncertainty and trusting Mm -hmm. that like humanity can and will get their shit together and you don't have to know the secrets behind it all to get through that you just have to continue to be and trust that you embodying as an individual, your highest possible ideal that helps the world more than, you know, reposting some theory about something like it's not, it's not consequential. Like it's really just more noise. And I think that that's like one of the biggest things going on right now is there's just a lot of fucking noise. And like I, myself, the more I consume noise, the less pure my bodily instrument is in producing things or really more so it's not even creating. It's like allowing. It's not, it's not something that I'm coming up with. It's just like my meat suit kind of unconsciously moves in this direction until it finds the thing that wants to come through me, whether that's in music or creating videos or, or speaking, whatever it is, like the more out of the way I am, the better it is. And I find that social media really keeps a lot. It keeps me in the way, you know, because there's so much noise and I'm not really like digesting my 
part in the game, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. I feel much the same. <clears throat> There's a good point that you brought up that most of the time when you check social media and you do all this stuff, it's not actually as memorable as you living your life and, yeah. you know, learning new things and playing music and creating or, you know, like the stories and the philosophies from the books that you read mm. are the things that you end up sharing way more than the memes that you just came across. Yeah. Like it would be odd for me to, unless it was like a really profound moment, but like, would you like me to give you the synopsis of the latest star Wars movie that I watched last night with my friends? Like, does that sound like that's going to be like enriching or is that going to be distractive? And it's really not like a core part of the experience. So even watching something like that, which really left me feeling good about things. Like I love that movie and thought it has a lot of amazing messages and feelings. And I got the chills like over and over watching it and it was really cool. But even that, like, Still, the I almost got up and started making music in the middle of the movie, and I would just be sitting at my computer while everyone else was behind me watching the movie with my headphones on, and I didn't. So even experiences like that, which are like accretive, like it does, it feels good on this level. It's still not like it's still not like fully on the level of your calling, you know. And so um, my roommate. Eric and I have a phrase we exchange with each other where at the end of the day we ask, did you give your three hours to God today? And like that's, did you at least give three hours to the proliferation and like the manifestation of your soul's potential in the world? And for him, that looks like basically the stuff he does all the time. And for me, that's music. And so it's like we're constantly checking in on each other and our desks are right next to each other. So we kind of spend the whole day working next to each other. And that that's so much more powerful because you can tell when we can tell when the other has not done it. And of course we know in ourselves if we haven't done it, but we can tell, you know, based on that interaction, if it has been a day where you really dove into that thing, or if it was a day where you got distracted and you got caught up in, emails and scheduling and social media and resistance or whatever the thing is that's holding you back from that thing. It's really just comes down to showing up and just doing it. And it's not even a fight. Like I feel like, I feel like so much of the, the zeitgeist around like manifesting your dreams and like working, working on your, towards your goals is so much, it's such an aggressive, like like masculine way of looking at the world where there's a time and place for that. Like there's a time and place to fight for something or push a little bit harder. But for the most part, I don't really think that that's the case. Like if you're, and I can feel that people that have like banged their head against a wall for like 10 years and now they're a millionaire, like they would disagree with this because they've found themselves in that place. Like there are many ways to the same destination. Mm -hmm. But the thing that it feels resonates the most with me is like actually fighting the least, like fighting the least with myself and fighting the least with resistance. And like, it's a different way of overcoming it. It's more, it feels more like it's dissolving it. It's not trying to like push against this thing and, and making it out to be this like battle with yourself or your, this battle with this external thing. It's more 
surrender and allowance, like just really like just going into, because like as you do that, of course, there might be a little bit of a push at the beginning where you're feeling a little, like there's a little bit of resistance, but the more you just kind of like lean in, it's not even a, it's not a push. It's not like trying to rip a thing open and climb inside of it. You just kind of lean in the more you get sucked into it and it starts to like accelerate you more as opposed to, I don't know, chopping your way through the jungle with a machete. It's just like find the river and float down the river and get to the destination the same way instead of fighting tooth and nail to make these little pieces of incremental progress, which the thing that I recognize that that's an important part of everyone's journey. It doesn't resonate with me where I am at this moment, but I recognize that that mentality of like fighting and pushing through things did help me get to where I am. But at this moment, it doesn't feel like it is my truth anymore, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a good visualization is that the river is always there, but then there's also the path through the jungle that you are going to, you know, have to move around the venomous scorpions and spiders and yeah. snakes and all of those things and have to chop away at the vines yeah. and just all the plants that come across your path or you could surrender into the flow of the water and the river and it might be a little bit bumpy because there's the rocks under your butt but yeah surrendering into that will allow you to propel a little bit faster yeah and that mentality doesn't it doesn't entail that it's challenge free. You know, I think there's this misconception with that where like people imagine that a fully realized spiritual potential is effortless. And on one level it is, but it's like accepting the things that are hard and not being like, no, I'm going to fucking, I'm just going to fight through this thing and I'm going to get to it. It's like, oh yeah, this is tough and it will summon the best out of me so that I can meet this challenge, but it's not a fight anymore. It's almost like an agreement. It's almost like you're working with the challenges rather than working against them where you see like, Oh wow, actually this is a really wonderful way to upgrade my being by meeting this thing and not, not looking away from it and not making it out to be more than it has to be. Cause my, my pattern in the past was, I would discover something within myself that I had shame around or I had a lot of resistance to or a a reality or like a way of being or a position or something like that that really resonated with me but I saw that there was there was a challenge there in between me and that thing and I would it would be so overwhelming that I'd kind of have to like recoil away from it And then eventually I'd find my strength and then go face it. And like, I always thought of it like fighting a dragon and it would just always felt futile. And I I realized recently, like, am I really going to want to do that for my entire life? Like, am I really going to want to fight like everything about myself and everything about the world and like really force myself upon things to get my way? Is that really like how I want to live my life? Cause it, felt like there would be so much suffering doing it that way. Felt like there would be so much 
I don't know, like that it would be almost naive to believe that that was what was going to make me, you know, feel good or feel at peace with my life. And really I've begun to see that like just being at peace with exactly where I am right now and exactly what's happening has shown me more, more love and more like clarity than any moment after I've, you know, vanquished some part of myself or overcome some obstacle like that really that state of being in it and just allowing it to come through has felt way more, way more in alignment. It's basically like Dharma versus karma where like karma can be a little bit of a positive negative exchange, like a back and forth kind of thing where you recognize something challenging and you fight with it until you transform it into something good. And then you find the next thing and you keep doing that cycle over and over. Whereas like following your Dharma and following your path, like those kinds of challenges or things you have resistance to, or these aversions you have in your life, they start to melt with your way of being through that path where if you bring, so for example, a thing that I, I feared for a long time was that if I started to become successful making music that I would be tempted by women that were fans of me to, and that my want for validation and sex would lead me down the wrong path. And I was like, Ooh, that's going to be a big dragon to fight. That's going to be a big scary thing to get to whenever that day is, whenever I do have fans and a following in this thing. And then recently I was like, well, I know that that way of being is not even in resonance with where I'm at. So why would I fight? Why would I fight against it? Why wouldn't I just in the moment choose like, no, like it doesn't, it doesn't become a, a challenge where I have to like fight this temptation to be validated and praised by women, whether that's just how I am or with sex or whatever it is. It's just like, no, that's not in accord with where I want to be in my life. It's not something, it's not a door I want to open up. So it's just like, no. And then it just goes away and there's no, and it doesn't mean that it's gone forever, but just like having the awareness in that moment to choose what's right for yourself. Like then, then it's not this dance of like dissolving your karma. Cause the way that I always thought about it was, Oh, well I probably would choose that route. And then I'd see that it doesn't serve me. And then I'd have to fight my way out of it and heal myself and get back to this next level. And like having the foresight of if I go down that path, I know exactly how it's going to end up. I'm not going to feel good about myself. I'm probably going to hurt some people. Not really the thing that I want to do. So no doors closed. It's fine. And like really just sticking to that way of being and trusting myself that I'll make the right decision like that has taken away all of these, like it's closed like a hundred tabs in my mind just by making that decision of like, when I get to it, I know my truth and I know I'll do the right thing. So nope, no need to worry about that anymore. And it just like closes that thing and you can move on and just be more as opposed to being clouded by so many things. Yeah. And I think that acknowledges that you still have the power. Mm-hmm. Um, to make decisions and be in discernment and understand that, okay, you know where that could potentially lead. You're not even there yet mm-hmm. anyways. So why even have to try and make that decision right now? Yeah. 
or shame myself into believing that that is the decision that I would make, you totally. know, like really, cause then that's, that's not trusting myself. That's being like, Oh, you're weak, dude. As soon as you get groupies, you're going to start doing some fucking stupid shit. Not the truth. It's like, not the truth. I know myself. I know that like, as a fun and tempting as that, like rock and roll quote unquote lifestyle is just to be doing coke off of off of someone's ass and like all this like yeah it's sure it'd be fun but like is that the way that i bring the clearest and most impactful thing into the world no like it just it just isn't like i've gone down that road before and it was fun and then i had to fight with it and get out of it and it's like it's not it's not there and i can just see the kind of spiral of our life where you know, you learn lessons at one level and then you get to the next level and you get to learn it in a different way until, you know, you keep going up and up and up. And I can see like, I kind of want to be done with that lesson to keep feeling it at all of these different junctions, like the lessons of temptation or distraction and just being like, whatever, I'm, I don't, I don't need to welcome it into my life to learn a lesson anymore. You know, and like that, like you said, you use the word discernment, like that, like your discretion of how you navigate those moments, like that protects and empowers your energetic body by like with foresight, being able to see what resonates with you, what doesn't resonate with you. And there's certain moments where you kind of have to choose to just allow and see where it goes with different situations. But I think for the most part, it's like, I can see it and I have the autonomy within myself to not go down that road. And it's not about being afraid of facing that thing. It's just like, how many times do we have to learn the same lessons over and over? You know, like how many times do you have to get beaten over the head before it's just a decision of like, no, I have the discretion to go. Nope. Not in alignment. I'm sorry. Like I'm not even sorry. It's that's my truth. That's what it is. So yeah, that's been a very pow- like very empowering place to come to. Because it takes a lot of the, it makes life feel like it has more free will to it. And that the free will is not necessarily that I can do whatever I want. It's that I have the autonomy within myself to choose the best path, you know, and like that, that feels more in alignment than the, like, it's kind of a spiritual bypass to be like, oh, I can do whatever the fuck I want in my life and it's all forgiven and I love myself. And like that is true to a point, but for myself, it doesn't feel like that's really the ultimate point that I'm looking for, you know, mm-hmm. where I can just live this like chaotic and destructive life and do whatever I want and get away with it because I'm spiritual. I just don't really feel like that's the truth. I feel like the truth is like what resonates with me what resonates with my soul in my core? And I don't know, maybe doing Coke off of someone's ass is in resonance with my soul once. And like, I will choose that and it'll be fun, you know, but like as a lifestyle, not necessarily like that doesn't feel like that's going to produce the best music or the most healing for the world or the best experiences for people or the best experience for myself. So yeah, like being able to see, those temptations in real time and just being like, nah. And I even have dreams about it. Like I'll have dreams about these things kind of setting into my psyche and becoming like a, a more, a more solid part of my 
existence. It's really cool to like watch that unfold. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like that. Um, I, don't, I really liked how you talked about Dharma versus karma. Mm-hmm. That's been huge. That distinction. Yeah. And it seems like you're having this opportunity to see multiple different timelines and some of them lead to that clash of karma and then others are just in that resonance of the Dharma. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it seems that you're being tested mm-hmm. without actually having the experience quite yet. In yeah. Physical. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, um, I watched a, I watched a documentary, like a little mini, uh, like YouTube documentary about, um, about why certain bands are hated by their, by most of the people in the community or in that like genre of music. And it was like insane clown posse and Nickelback and this band called deaf heaven who I'd never heard of before. And those were the three they highlighted. And the conclusion the guy came to was not that they did anything wrong musically. They didn't do anything like people equate their dislike of the band's music with their dislike of how the bands interact with the culture. And so if you are someone that goes into music to get girls, people feel that. Like they know that the music's not, it's coming from a place of needing attention. It's not coming from a place of I'm trying to advance this part of music and create experiences for people. Like it's not coming from your soul. It's coming from your ego. Like people feel that. And I really resonated with what the guy was saying. And like, it doesn't matter what your, your wardrobe or your, you know, your aesthetic or all these different things that people point to as to why they don't like certain artists. It really comes down to if they're in it for the culture or not, if they're in it for like the betterment of everybody involved rather than the needs of their ego to be, you know, like to be seen or to feel worthy or to get this type of attention or to, um, capitalize on this niche you know you can feel when a band comes out and they're like oh they just combined those two genres of music because they thought it'd be popular and like it might work on some people and it might hit the mainstream for a little bit but it never lasts you know it's like the things that last are the bands that like give to the culture and the fans feel like they walk away with something and that night after I watched that video and I realized where my intentions with music were, like that they, they were coming from a pure place and I was like happy to feel that, you know, that it wasn't this, um, it wasn't this egoic need to be seen or to get attention or to get sex or whatever it was. It was just like, no, this is what I'm being called to and whatever happens, happens. Like I'm not really worried about the, the outcome as fun as success and attention would be it's not the core of it and at the end of the day like if you get a million plays on spotify or not like who cares it's your it's your sandcastle was it a dope sandcastle like great but um that night actually i had a dream that um i was leaving one of my shows in it was it felt like new york city i don't know if it was new york city but that's what it felt like i was leaving a show with uh one of my good friends you know austin Mm -hmm. and um we're walking down the street and we stop in this like big corner store kind of thing, like a convenience store. And we uh, walk into the store and I'm feeling like really good. I don't know what I did. Like I didn't dream about the show. I just knew that like something big just happened with 
that. Like it, I don't know if I played in front of a certain amount of people or if it just went really well or I tried something new. Like it just felt like monumental, like it was a big deal. And he and I were like just on this great wavelength and I was walking over to like the drink cooler thing and I was grabbing a drink and I turned around and I see all of these like 14 year old girls behind me and they're like, they're like looking at me and like taking pictures and doing all this stuff. And I just felt like really uncomfortable. I was just like, I don't want this. This doesn't feel right. And the feeling was that I had cultivated the wrong audience that I had tried to be more of a like pop culture icon. You know, I had tried to be like Justin Bieber and not, you know, just like an artist that was making this thing. Like I had tried to appeal to people and the audience I cultivated was 14 year old girls, which is not who my music is for. It's like, if they like it, great, but it's not, my intention is not to capitalize on that audience. And so I felt like a lot of shame and I was like, fuck, I, I did the wrong thing. That's not, that's not what I wanted. And I, I just started feeling really shitty about it. And then they got closer to me and they were like asking me things and I was feeling like overwhelmed and I was like, shit, this is not what I want to do. And I turn and there's one like right in my face and she's like, she's like, Oh, I love you. And like, goes to like open mouth, kiss me. And I was like, no, 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 Do not, not what I want. This is not, you're like 14 and I don't want this as my thing. It's something feels off. And she just like looks at me like I crushed her and then all of a sudden the windows in the store start like blowing out with fire and like the streets are on fire and she's like look what you've done and I was like what the fuck did I do and <laughs> there's all this chaos going around and everyone's running out of the store and people are looting shit and I was like what did I do like this doesn't make any sense <laughs> and then um I finally find my friend again and he just looks at me with these like dead eyes and his mouth opens and then the dream ended. And I was just like trying to figure out what that meant and why I would have a dream like that. And really what it felt like is that I had some sort of internal apocalypse, like some sort of reset by saying no to that kind of life, you know, where I would be cultivating attention rather than experience. And so it was a really cool thing to like feel that set in, in my psyche. Cause up until that point, I was kind of confused a little bit on where my, like, did I just want validation and attention by making music? Did I just want to be seen as unique and creative or am I really in it to like bring something awesome into the world? And, uh, to be able to see that shift was like, was really powerful. Yeah, yeah, I think it validated the intention of experience over attention. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, and it's like, and you can see it. Like, I, I don't know if everyone can, but I feel that I can see it with, with some people. And maybe that's, maybe I'm projecting on them a lot, but I don't know. You can kind of see, like, certain artists, they just, like, pick a niche and they're in it. And it just feels, it feels, like, manufactured. It doesn't feel real and like even when it comes down to the sound I had a moment where I felt like a couple weeks ago I felt like the thing that I needed was like a professional producer like I needed I needed to pay someone to mix and master my stuff so that it sounded like perfect so that it sounded like super polished and then I was like now there's something kind of cool about it being like raw there's something cool about it being like a little distorted like the 
and it should be like pleasant like it should be sonically correct like that there aren't these like tones mashing up with each other and certain instruments aren't in resonance but like I I just stopped caring about making it perfect because I was like if I make it perfect then the magic kind of gets sucked out of it it's not this raw emotional experience anymore and now it's this overproduced perfect thing and I almost made the commitment to myself that like I don't even know if I want to go down that road I'm going to continue to learn how to produce things to the highest quality that I can and it'll continue to get better and I'll be able to recognize the shortcomings in the you know body of sound to make sure that all of the different frequencies are taken care of and they all mesh correctly but to care about you know, like, I don't know. The thing I think of is like all those like punk rock, like icons back in the eighties and stuff at like, what is CB, CBGB or I, I forget what C. Yeah. I'm not much of a punk historian, but the thing that I always admired about those bands is how they just, they were just raw. They didn't care. Like they just, it comes from a different place than something that comes out of a studio. And don't get me wrong, like, I love a lot of the professional music that's being produced now. Like, sonically, it's so, it's so good. Like, you listen to it with a good pair of headphones, and there's all these different tones and instruments that you notice, and it's so, like, well laid out and perfectly orchestrated, and it's awesome that people have found that level of mastery. But I really wanted to let go of the idea that I needed that to be good, you know, or to make something that sounds full and sounds like it's well done. And like in reality, it kind of just comes down to the, the heart in the music over the technicalities of it. You know what I mean? Like you can feel that more like there's this, it's not really my genre, but there's this kid from Minnesota that makes these really weird, like it's like depressing hip hop and R and B almost. It's, it's hard to describe, but his production quality is pretty much awful. Like it's really bad, but you can just feel that he has the sauce and he has like half a million followers on SoundCloud or maybe more. Like the last time I checked, it was like 600 K or something like that. And it's like, it's really cool just to see him be raw and like people just get it because it has, a thing about it. It's not about how perfect it is. It's just about how real it is, you know? And that realness is like a level of perfection. that's different than any type of technical perfection, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of us inherently just gravitate more towards authenticity and truth. Yeah. Like why, why do you think there's so many fans of these like shitty horror movies that technically are like, awful like that the the camera is wrong the special effects are wrong like it's not it's not like a marvel movie where everything is executed with this technical precision that's out of this world which there's value in like don't get me wrong i loved avengers endgame i thought it was a work of art like it was amazing to see how far people could stretch that technical proficiency but people still have love for these pretty like poorly made things because they have heart. There's something about them. It's not about how perfect it is. They just like get it. It has that, that like it factor to it and people can't explain it. And so they gravitate towards that and they'll get tattoos of the characters from this movie that like objectively, and I'm 
using air quotes, like sucks, but it's not, it doesn't suck on the level that it has like soul to it. You know, it sucks technically, or they didn't have enough money or whatever it was. And so people are like, ah, the movie's bad. But to someone, it really means a lot to them because it has something that they resonate with. And I feel like the more produced, and this isn't always the case, but a lot of times the more produced and the more cooks in the kitchen, like that thing starts to get lost. And so myself, I've kind of let go of that idea of like getting a, getting a record label or getting all these people behind me and becoming like bass nectar, you know, which he got, he's in trouble right now, but that's a whole tangent for another time. Um, but yeah, it's like, there's like a whole team behind him, behind what he does. And it's really cool. Cause I think, I guess that's what you need to like reach the most amount of people. But I think that learning that lesson now has been valuable to see like where I need to have discretion on that and what boundaries I'm willing to let down, you know, and it's not about staying stuck in the mud and refusing to change and refusing help in ways that would really benefit your platform, but just being like understanding of what actually matters and what's actually worth letting in and what will contribute to the soul of the thing that you're creating being as pure as possible. Yeah. It's like staying to the truth of what you actually want to create and the mission and the purpose of yeah. the art that's coming through as opposed to yeah. um, just the excitement of the validation that might come yeah. out of it. Yeah. Which like, don't get me wrong. It's still, it's still probably going to feel really fucking dope to play in front of 10,000 people. No doubt. Like, and that's, you know, that's a, it's, it's going to be a different feeling, you know, and it'll be really cool to see people's Instagram posts of like, oh my God, that set changed my life. I can't believe like, that'll be amazing. But am I going to rest my entire sense of worthiness and like my, my sole motivation to get there on that? Like, absolutely not. There's no, and that can be applied to anything, you know, like. If you want to get a job because you make 120 grand a year, like good luck, really good luck with keeping your self sane and on in a stable place. If that's your sole motivation for it, you know, and like, I don't know, of course that's my reality tunnel view and I'm not putting money down by any means. Cause I think that money is super valuable and like, it's, it's ultimately a form of energy and you should create the life and the abundance that you feel suits you. But if that's your sole motivation, you're probably going to get lost in the sauce, you know, like getting, I mean, I'm sure you get this all the time with people coming to you with like opportunities and being like, man, if you just sell this product with me, you can make eight grand a month on the side, like two hours a week tops. And it's like, why, why, like, why? Like, yeah, it'd be cool. I could support this thing in a different way and invest it in stuff. But it's like, is that really in alignment with where I want to be? Like, not really. So it's not, I don't know. It just doesn't have that same, that same pull, you know? Yeah, for sure. I've yeah. had people hit me up on Instagram for like watches and just like all different types of clothing, but it just doesn't feel like it resonates. It, it doesn't feel like something I actually want to share with the people that are following me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm more just holding out Yeah. at this point because I know the value of the content that I'm creating mm -hmm. and how it 
can just open up the limitations of what people perceive as possible. Yeah, like if, I don't know, have you ever used a juve before? Those red lights? No, not yet. So it's like infrared and red light mm-hmm. and it has a certain effect. It's basically like distilling beneficial parts of sunlight down into a machine. It's really cool. And uh, I don't know if, if like juve came around and wanted to sponsor you, that'd be, a, I mean, for me, that'd be a fuck yeah, you know, like, cause it's something that works and like helps people and is cool. And I resonate with it, you know, but I don't know, watches like doesn't really feel, feels like a, yeah, it feels like a cash grab. It feels like, yeah, I mean, some people might find value in it, but at the end of the day, like who cares? Yeah, and I I just don't want to share watches with my audience, but, like, if I'm sharing Four Sigmatic Mushrooms or, like, Host Defense by Paul Stamets or um, even Prana, which is, like, clothing that I believe in, Mm -hmm. which is some sort of company that I feel like I'm in alignment with and I'm going to be more stoked on that opportunity as opposed to just doing something for that instant gratification of a cash grab or just a little bit more notoriety on social media. It's just, it's not worth it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So who do you see yourself being 10 years from now? So, okay, cool. This is a, this is a fun little, (laughs) it's a fun little, I don't want to use the word challenge because it's not a challenge, but I guess it's really just like a moment to speak my truth and really where Mm -hmm. my intentions are. And I feel that the resistance to doing that comes from, even though I've always had pretty intensely low self-esteem. I've always been very like outspoken about who I could be and what I wanted to be. And when your self-esteem is super low and people can feel that, and then you're talking about these massive goals and aspirations, people are like, what the fuck? Like you're delusional. Like that doesn't. So it's like, you're being, you're full of yourself and down on yourself at the same time. And that's not a very like attractive thing to be. And so I can feel that that old story still has a little bit of a little bit of gunk in where I see myself. However, if I connect to my truth, I know that the platform that I want to build with my music is not something that just gets played in these small venues. I'm not coming to be a club performer. The intention I set with my music is I'm coming to headline and that that's, that's how that I'm the most effective and the most powerful in that realm and can really let the thing like we circling back to the beginning of the conversation, the daemon, the daemon does not want to be played to a room of 50 people. It wants to be played to thousands and like, it wants to be massive. And it's not, it's not a drive of ego. It's a drive of effectiveness. It's a drive of healing, like to almost disguise under it's like disguising spiritual awakening and freeing yourself of these lower vibrational things under this it's under a disguise of fun dance music of fun crazy electronic noises and stuff like that and so yeah i see myself in 10 years regularly headlining like regularly selling places out regularly giving people these immersive experiences where they're fucking crying at the end of the show or during the show, whenever it is and having these heart opening expansive moments that they didn't know were possible through the medium of music that I've chosen. And I think that's, 
that's why it resonates so much with me is it's kind of like spinning the whole thing on its head where it's like, you didn't come to the show to like do enough ketamine to like tranquilize yourself and like just headbang in the front row. Like you came to be freed and like that, that starts to infiltrate the culture of dance music. Cause I know that people have transformative experiences at those shows with, you know, they do MDMA and listen to Tiesto and they feel like they're on top of the world. And like, that's beautiful. But like, I'm coming to rip you apart. Like I'm coming to have this whole experience where by the end of it, you're just shredded and you're hugging your friends and you're just laughing and crying. And it's like this whole thing that you didn't know was possible in that arena. And um, yeah. So in 10 years, I don't, I don't have any, monetary goals or like really life goals. I see myself being married, having children and yeah, basically just headlining shows and being at the height of my career at that point and seeing how far that goes and just allowing that thing to unfold as it is and being just intensely present and intensely healthy and like just having all of those and just really trusting that as I continue on this path, all of those things kind of, all those tracks get laid where they're supposed to be, you know, and, and that I know that 10 years from now, it wasn't this horrifying uphill battle, but it was really a process of allowing the thing to come through, you know, and like, yeah, I just, I have, I could see it being felt as a, delusion, but I really believe in myself. And that's like a, I don't know, an uncommon thing, especially when on paper, you really haven't done shit, but that's just what it is. I mean, I believed in myself to get to this point and this is exactly where I am and exactly where I need to be. So I believe in the power of what I can do in this world to be at that level and to reach the maximum number of people that I'm supposed to. So, yeah. Yeah, I believe in you too, and I see it in you. Thanks, man. Um, and I think that's really where it starts, is that personal belief. And yeah. knowing what you're capable of, even if you haven't shown up in that way yet. Yeah. And I think that an interesting feedback thing I can kind of try with people is that when when they hear when they hear a song that I've made or I share it with them, and their response is like, whoa, like, oh my God, like they, and these are all people that I, I'm not showing like random people that I, I don't necessarily resonate with my music. Like I'm not going, well, there's really not parties right now with the virus. I mean, I'm sure some people are throwing cool house parties and stuff, but I'm not like showing up at a party of people like drinking Bud Light and being like, yo, check out this fucking banger. Like it's not, I understand who the audience is and who's going to resonate with it. And to feel that the people that I see as like companions, like that we're on the same path together to feel that they resonate with it and that they have these emotional, like I showed it to my friend in the car the other day, uh, the newest song I made and he had a fucking exorcism in the seat next to me. Like it was wild to experience. Like he really just let himself go. He was throwing himself around and like grabbing his head. And he was like, holy fucking shit dude like he he couldn't believe what was coming out of him because of what i showed him and um i forget where i was going with that 
<laughs> but yeah, like I do, I do really see it. And so I get that, like that feedback from people that I respect and like, I appreciate their, their feedback. And some people are like, ah, it wasn't really there for me. And I'm like, cool. And then I can articulate what, what can be done better and, and move to a different place. But yeah, just having those little moments of feedback really shows me that the power is, that I believe is there actually is there. And it's not this like delusion. Cause I, I felt for a while with, with producing videos, my, it was actually cocky where I felt that I was like, I, I truly thought that I was one of the best out there. Like at the level that I was operating at, I was like, no one can fucking touch me. Like I'm so goddamn good at this. Like I know exactly what I'm going to do. And that helps to a point, but then, you know, there's the comparison game and really like a humbling experience of seeing like, yeah, okay. That's really not a path that I'm being called to master. And so if that's the case, then this might be the height of where I'm at with that for now. And with this, it's like, there's no ceiling. It's like, it just feels like this completely open, this like open destiny almost that I can just go like head first into and like really allow to unfold. And, uh, yeah. So I just really like feel it on a, on a daily basis and what's wild. And this is again, like a hard thing to admit, but I encourage people to admit it that if you are a creator, you are a manifester in the world. Like it's okay to admit that you love the stuff that you make, you know, like I, I'm not making music to, please people like it's the thing that I want to hear and that I think sounds dope and like when I listen to my own stuff I have this voice in my head that's like are you really that dude that's listening to his your own music in the car and I was like fuck yeah I am like it's awesome like it's I'm really proud of it I love it and I can recognize what needs to be improved and what feels a little bit off or what you know, mistake was there, what I did well and can transfer into the next thing. And it's this constant process of like, I don't know, I guess the point of this is that if you, if you resonate with what I've said so far, like be okay with, it's not, you're not being full of yourself, but like be okay with, it's almost another form of humility. Like true humility is knowing when to be like, I'm the shit. I fucking did it. You know, like that's not, it's not, it's braggadocious and arrogant when you're, that's your whole state of being, but like knowing when to really feel how special the things that you're bringing into the world are, like that's another form of surrender. That's another form of acceptance and being like, wow, I really listened to my soul and I allowed this, you know, for like someone brings a business into the world. Like you don't have to act like that business is a piece of shit and you hate it because that's the process a lot of people that bring things into the world feel is it instantly goes to criticism. It instantly goes to that's not good enough rather than being like, I can't believe I did that. That's so cool. I'm so proud of myself. And it, you know, if it's a business, like it, it's, it's perfect exactly as it is. And I know what can be done better in the future now, like recognizing the shortcomings in the thing and being like, okay, cool. I'm going to learn and continue to improve and continue to allow this thing to come through more and more purely rather than, you know, like there's this thing in the community, in like the artist community where you can never appreciate your own work. It's like a, it's a, a faux pas to 
think that anything you've made was good because the next thing always has to be better. And it's this continual process of creation and self-loathing. And I'm just not interested in that. I'm not interested in that way of being like, I'm way more interested in like feeling in the totality, what I have brought into the world. And like, that can be applied to anything, you know, that can be applied to like raising children. You know what I mean? Like it can be applied like the, I don't know that this, that constant, like, self-deprecation and self-loathing is just not, it's not the way, it's not the way the world has to work anymore. You know, like it did, it served us to make all of this progress and get us to this point, but what's the next step? Like, what's the next step of our evolution? Is it going to be more self-deprecation and self-loathing and more feeling like we're never enough and we're never going to be good enough? Or is it going to be truly appreciating exactly what we've brought into the world and exactly where, where we're at right now? And understanding that that foundation of love and appreciation is the way that you jettison yourself to that level that you're so deeply craving to get to. Yeah, totally. Like as a collective, we can take that step back and appreciate that. Okay, you know, this is where we have propelled humanity thus far. Mm -hmm. Is everything serving us? Probably not. Okay, so what's our intention with it? And we can come to appreciate everything that has come about based off of the work that we've done as a collective. Yeah. Um, but like you said, we don't have to continue to self loathe and mm-hmm. be like, okay, we've created this and we are evil and shameful. Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean the thing, the, the big thing right now is with, with racism in the United States. Like that's the big topic at this moment. And like, rightfully so like there's a, it's, it's a dark, really hard to look at history for a lot of people. And like, there is a way to fight it with hate. And I don't think that that's the way like it's coming out as this. And it it's on both sides of the equation. There's this, it's just all like malice. Like I, I see very few things about like acknowledgement and love. And that doesn't diminish the people that are hurting's feelings and their reactions. Like I totally get it. Like if that's the state that you're in where you're, hurting so much that you're willing to, you know, be a part of a, a cycle that destroys the whole world so that we can rebuild. Like I totally feel you like that's an energy that's just as divine as love. Like it's part of the same equation, but it feels more effective to me to see everything as it is and be like, yeah, is it smart to have, you know, let's take the statues for example. Like, is it smart to, idolize this person that did this thing that was evidently like really fucked up in the long run or historically was really fucked up. It's like, probably not like, do we need to annihilate it and make this big? Cause that, that super, that like aggressive force towards the thing, like I understand in a lot of ways is justified, but it creates this equal reaction defense of people that think that that's wrong. And so it's this constant, push and fight kind of thing where I don't know. I just, I trust in humanity's ability to like make changes smoothly where we can actually like work together and see each other, you know, and not be so like, Oh, if you post this thing, then you're a liberal cuck. And if you post this thing, then you're a, you know, racist conservative or whatever. It's like, we're all people. Yeah. We really are. We're trying, like, I, I hear you. Like I hear on, 
on everybody's opinions, like on everyone, all the voices coming up right now, like I really hear you. I don't necessarily condone how it's going about, but like, I I hear you, you know? And like, I, I hope that we can start to, I don't know, kind of gradually make these changes from that, from that state of being like, you know what, all things considered as fucked up as the world is right now, like, look at how good a lot of things are going, you know, com- compared to the narrative that's being pushed that like everything is awful for everybody. It's like, I don't know. I don't personally see it because that's not my reality tunnel. Like my reality tunnel is not any more one of, of like dismay and disgust with the world. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I'd really love to see change. There's a lot of equality that I'd love to see come up in the world, but I'm not going to damn the world and say that it's awful and that there's no hope unless there's this violent insurrection and that things are toppled. It's like, I really do trust in the, the hearts of humans that like we can and we will do this thing together. And it's like, if you're not on board with that wavelength, like your ideology is going to die eventually. This feels like there's been a massive shift recently where people are really starting to understand how we do this. And like, it's through love and as trite and overused as that phrase is and how misconstrued it's been, it's like, it's like a ruthless love. It's a love that's so deep for our brothers and sisters that we are willing to do the right thing for each other. It's not this, this like passive, like, ah, love and like everything will change if we all get on the same vibration. It's like, yeah, I understand that there's still a lot of action and progress that needs to be made. But, um, yeah, the thing I see is that I trust people and I trust that we will get through this period and we will start to understand each other better. And if you can't do that, probably going to, you know, metaphorically turn to dust and disappear and that eventually it's not going to resonate. And I can feel resistance to saying that in myself because I see how hurt and angry a lot of people are right now and how much people are playing into the, the fear and the blame. But at the end of the day, it's like, we, we got this. Yeah. I'm, I'm a firm believer that we have way more similarities as human beings than we do a differences yeah and if we were to just sit down and hear you know the pain that other people through and we can all just communicate Mm -hmm. and put it all out on the table we would actually come to see that at the end of the day what we're looking for is pretty much the same thing yeah yeah it's just these really antiquated power dynamics are kind of getting in the way you know where it's like people feel like they have to put their foot down because of an ideology or because they're in this position and they have to do it a specific way. And it's, it's so often not done out of compassion. It's so often done out of prejudice or these different ideals that they're beholden to because they've chosen a specific team, you know, and like there's, you can see everybody on every side of the equation getting, mad at each other and all of, all of these different ways. And it just doesn't feel productive to me anymore. It feels like we're really like you can either evolve and choose to step into your personal sovereignty as a human being and take ownership of what you can change in the world. 
or you can continue to point fingers and be angry and hopeless. And that doesn't feel, doesn't feel productive to me just on an individual level. doesn't feel like it's the move. Yeah. It's very much like it's quite the opposite. <laughs> it feels like the thing that will hold you back instead of empower you into, um, you know, the person that, you know, you're capable of being as well as the future that it feels to me that we're capable of bringing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you didn't, the thing, the thing I came to recently or not recently, but within the last like year or so is I would kind of get, I'd get overwhelmed by where the world was and what was going on. And although I really wouldn't see much of it in my personal life, I allowed kind of the fear and the, I mean, it's essentially propaganda that you see on social media that's swaying your reality tunnel in these different directions. It would overwhelm me at times, but the way that I was able to rearticulate it was like, I did not come here to lose. I just didn't like, I did not come here to fail. So like, why would I ever allow that thought of like, Oh, the, there's going to be martial law and the military is going to come in and kill everybody. And we're all going to be in internment camps and it's going to be a disaster. It's like, no, 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 I didn't come here for that. I didn't come here for mass amounts of suffering and fear and all these and to be in like an energetic prison. I did not come here for that. So it's like, I came here to win and it's not win and this attachment of like that. I have to be successful and all these things have to go perfectly. It's like, I came here for freedom. I did not, I did not come here to get put in this box by, you know, whatever political or government or societal structure. It's just not, it's not the truth. And so seeing that more and more and relaxing into that myself, I can only speak for my own reality tunnel, but it feels like things change whenever I am in that way in the world, you know, and like the more, work and intention I've set to be free as a person and to not, you know, succumb to my vices or my fears or whatever it is, the more that I feel the world responds to that, you know, the more doors that open up, the more, the less feedback, especially from social media, it's weird. Like I've done these like tests almost where I will, I will be, it's not a conscious thing but it's like something that I've noticed a pattern where it's like the things that I run into on the internet are so much more uplifting and it feels, it feels so much more in resonance with that like freedom and, and love that we, we all talk about when, when I enter that in a state of love, like when I'm in a good place, it seems like all I get back are good things. And if there is something in that mix that's challenging to me, it's no longer being met with this like knee jerk, like tensing up of my body or feeling fear about it. It's just like, I see you now. It's like really connecting with it. And like, there's a lot of really challenging stuff to, to witness, you know, and there's a lot of like really dark, like traumatic things going on still in the world. And instead of reacting to it as, this is a death sentence. This is how the world is now. Like cops are out there killing everybody and it's fucking chaos. And the if you go outside, you're going to get the coronavirus and you're going to die. Like the less I believe that that's always going to be the case, that's the less of it I see. And I feel like, I mean, this is like a deep, 
dive, but like it really, it is true that television and social media alter your reality tunnel. Like there's no doubt about it. And it's not a, it's not a conspiracy theory to say that like the news changes the way you live your life. Like if you allow it into your being, it changes the way you see the world and the way that you act. And if it really, like, I feel like it, it sounds so simple and it sounds like something that's such as like a spiritual truism that could be easily discounted. But I do believe that it's the case that when you change your internal landscape and you change the way your nervous system interacts with the world, the world changes Mm -hmm. like it. The fact that it's a thing that people regularly say is like, Oh, keep your eyes on the news, watch the news. You got to know what's going on. It's like, do you, has it, has I really, I really wonder because it's never been my experience that anything I saw on the news affected my personal life. Like, I don't think once ever have I ever seen something that I was afraid of on the TV come into my life. I like, it's, I don't think it's ever happened. And I can feel the stories that other people tell is like, Oh, that's easy for you to say from your place of privilege and safety and all these different things. It's like, of course, of course, but what happens when the people that don't feel privileged and don't feel safe also ascribe to that belief system? What happens then? Do they no longer become, you know, underprivileged and unsafe or do they become empowered and sovereign in their way of being and they can make their own decisions? It's like, I don't know, but I have a pretty strong hunch that the more we focus on personal sovereignty, the more the thing, the more that the world changes for the better. Yeah, I feel like you'll always find proof for whatever it is you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, what's, again, like it comes down to like, what's useful? And I feel like what is useful is empowering individuals and like giving people the permission to be free of their circumstances of their birth or their their parenting or where they were educated or whatever it was, like whatever things feel like an insurmountable challenge to them for them to be as they want to be in the world. It's like giving the permi- giving the permission to people to be free of those things feels like the only way that things start to change. Cause when you're like with the, um, like having the discretion to choose which path I go down, it's like when you're empowered as a person, you feel like you're doing the thing you then get to choose whether or not you allow those shortcomings or those circumstances into your life to become an issue, you know, and there's certain things I guess that are undeniable in a lot of ways, but it feels like there's a map for every, like every person to get out of whatever situation they're in. Like there's a map, like someone has figured it out and it might not be the way that you think that it should be, but they're like, I feel like every single situation that's challenging or, um, you know, makes someone feel downtrodden, someone has figured out a way to get out of that situation. So there's a, there's a map for it somewhere and there's not, I don't know, but I think the first part of it is just believing that you can do it and that you can help yourself and the people around you out of that situation too, by being in that way, you know, and like overcoming the, the obstacles, like, I can only speak for my personal experience, but in my family, there's a trend of the men in my family 
having marital trouble. Like that it just it just feels like it's a, a thing. And it goes back generations, like that there's always been like a, a a trend of divorce or being unfaithful or whatever it is, and I just see it and I'm like, no. But I could tell myself the story that I'm just doomed to that fate and that like, yeah, I'll meet this wonderful woman and we'll have kids and uh, I'll fuck it up in some way in the future. And it's like, no, I just don't, I don't consent to allowing that into my life. I don't consent to living this life of being so afraid of this outcome, you know, and like being afraid that I'm going to be a, a womanizer or I'm going to be, you know, unfaithful or I'm going to get divorced when I'm 45. Like it's not, I don't ascribe to that belief system. So it really just, I don't know, flips that whole story on your head. And sure that to a lot of people probably sounds like a really easy situation to overcome because it's a, you know, a choice of how you commit to partners or who you choose or how you choose to show up in the relationship. But I can, I feel that that can be applied to any situation where it's like if you grew up in a really bad neighborhood and you're like, well, I can either like sell drugs or get famous to get out of here. And it's like, there's been, there's so many people that they just kind of put one foot in front of the other and they did the little, the little things necessary to, to get themselves out of that situation. And now they're a business owner and, and in that part of town, trying to make that part of town better, you know, like I don't, I can't ascribe a one size fits all thing to everybody's situation but it's like it's there it's there for everybody to get out of you know like no matter what it is and that again is easy for me to say because i can feel that it's really hard to put that perspective on people whose situations feel absolutely hopeless you know like i don't i don't know what to tell someone who is a victim of like human trafficking. Cause that seems like one of the hardest possible situations to get out of. Like that, that has come to me in ayahuasca a few times is like one of the darkest aspects of humanity is human trafficking. And I don't, I don't know what to tell that person or like if I were to communicate with them, like I don't know how to get them out of that situation, but I guess I have faith that there's a way. Like no matter what, there's a way. And I don't know if certain things have to have to happen externally for there to even be an opportunity for a person like that to get out. But I don't know. I just feel like it's there and maybe I'm blindly optimistic, but I don't feel that way. I feel like it's very realistic to think that that's the case. Yeah. And I, I feel much the same way. Like you don't have to know what that's going to look like for someone else. You just... I don't know. For me, the one size fits all is really just focusing on yourself and focusing on your being. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's what comes up and that's what's worked for me. And I see that working for so many other people. Yeah. And even in these really, really tough circumstances, it always seems like there is some form of way. Yeah. And it might like, I think people also get confused that it has to be this rags to riches story, you know, like that it has to be like utter desolation and hopelessness to, you know, fame and abundance and all these different things. It's like that happens to some people that are meant to go that way that have whatever it takes to be seen in that way by the world. And they, they create that success for themselves, but that's not 
that's not really success. You know, that's not really the point of living. You know, it's like the, to me, it feels like the point of living is like presence, like contentment with what is right now, you know, and like really being in it and being satisfied with where you're at and knowing that it can get better. It can be improved, like, but not this hungry, desperate thing, which is that way of being is valuable in certain situations. Like, I don't know if you can navigate going from selling, like selling drugs on the corner to owning a business without being hungry and like determined for that to happen, you know? And like, I don't know if you can necessarily just be like, I'm just going to be, and I'm just going to allow, but maybe you can, I don't know. I don't know if these things apply to everybody, but I feel like in some way it does that if you need to be hungry and to push yourself like way past your limits to get yourself out of a situation that in some way is honoring the way of being that you're supposed to be where like sometimes being isn't always passive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's so feels like that's, that's part of the dance too. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, man, I feel like we could just keep riffing for, for real, man. What time is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been like two hours. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, brother, thank you so much for dropping in with me. And, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, coming on the podcast. Nothing but gratitude for you. Of course, dude. man. This has been and, nice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of The Line to Mastery with Wyatt Haggerty. I hope you gained as much out of it as I have not only recording the podcast the first time, but taking down notes to create for the show notes and editing the podcast and the post-production. I've been just having such a fucking blast doing this podcast. And it's just like a, it's a deep reflection of the love that I have to share with the world. And it's really allowing me to see myself in a different way. So I hope you got out a lot from this podcast, just as I did. If there's anything that I really want you to take away from it is that you are wildly capable, limitless, impossible. Even the word impossible simply means I'm possible. So if you have a dream that seems crazy, that seems absolutely beyond the limitations of what other people think is possible, that doesn't matter. It's your dream. It's your art. It's your dharma to bring it into the world. So I encourage you to go out and make it happen. Because through doing that, through showing personal sovereignty, you allow others that don't believe in themselves quite yet to go out and do the same. In order to really see the change in the world that we want to see, we have to become the change first. So you're a gift. Your life is a gift. Your presence here on earth is a gift and Even you listening to my words in this podcast is a gift to me. So thank you for tuning in. And if there's any way that you want to support this podcast, just share it with someone. Let them know that there's people out there going after their wildest dreams. And I am gratefully one of them. 
eventually this podcast is going to be really big. I have no doubt it's going to reach thousands to hundreds of thousands and potentially even millions of people. So I'm going to keep doing it. And your support along the way means everything. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're capable. You're infinite. I love you. Nothing but gratitude for you tuning in. Peace.